Valley of Famine contains mature content and adult language. Check the show notes for specific content warnings. Hello and welcome listeners to the Rogue Valley Role Players Podcast. My name is Ben, I'm here with Rosemary, Austin, Ed, and Nick, and we are going to play another session of Valley of Famine. Once again, my name is Ben, I am the Marshal tonight, running the shindig, doing the things, all that good stuff. My name is Rosemary, and I play Deputy Rachel Jane Kennedy, and I'm bad at math. Uh, this is Austin playing Harrod Graves, fatigued in game and over caffeinated out of game. This is Ed, and I'm keeping this intro short and lazy because I play a weird scientist named Daisy. Hello, I am Nick. I am playing Haru Matsuhara, the samurai who will kill Paul, my current love's former love, and make it all the more brutal. Daisy. Yeah. You find yourself wandering through endless black marble corridors. Again? Accented by gold uh, inlay. All the meanwhile, you hear a cacophonous tick tock, tick tock. A thousand different clocks all ticking away. You take a left turn, and it's just endless corridor. You take a right turn, it's endless corridor. You try to turn around, but you cannot go back the way you came. And uh, it feels like you wander for hours, uh, lost in this this endless maze of ticking. Uh, when you hear a vaguely familiar uh, voice call out your name, Miss Gilmore. Who's it? Who's that? You turn a corner and find yourself trapped in a, a room. There, the, the corridor behind you disappears. There's no entry or exit here. It's a black marble with uh, some some pillars in it, all with uh, gold accents. And standing before you in a very fine suit is Osiris Cordova. Mr. Cordova. Miss Gilmore, I did not think I would be able to reach you. And why do you need to reach me? To beg. To beseech. Not for myself, but for my daughter. Okay. I... Do not ask for forgiveness, for what I have done was unforgivable. All I can say is that madness drove me, and now in in death I have clarity. My daughter is following in my footsteps, and she... He kind of has a wild look on his face, his calm composure gives way. She must be stopped one way or another, but I, I I, beg you to please spare her life if you can. And what is it she's up to now? The, the gate, do you remember? Yeah. My parents found it in Egypt and activated it by accident and they were drawn through as I later was myself I thought it was something that it it was not and in my grief and desperation I turned to sources I should not have to better understand it and to attempt to rescue my parents Uh, I know now that they were beyond rescuing if they wound up where I did it is an instrument of evil designed to draw 
its surroundings into another world, into hell. Really? Could this gate be used to send, like, a demon back into hell? Kind of looks quizzical for a second, and like, I, I suppose it could be, but it, it, you, no, no, it needs to be shut down and destroyed. My, my daughter is recreating the gate. She is? Yes. It's the exact wrong person. To <laughs> <laughs> the oh, no, excitement yeah. in your voice is palpable. <laughs> it is not. She believes that she can rescue me. But the truth is. There is nothing anyone can do. She will damn herself instead. She will damn all of you. But if you can convince her to stop, to to abandon all of this before it's too late, before she must die. Miss Gilmore, I have I have wronged you so much. I do not deserve this favor, but I beg of you, please. Well, if nothing else, I'll do it for her. She was at least, you know, somewhat reasonable back then. She is as much a victim as anyone else, yes. A victim of me. Thank you, Miss Gilmore. Uh, and unless you have anything else to say to Osiris Cordorva, I think you wake up. No, I don't. I have an evil plan now. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Well, that's a good evil plan. The two of you wake up. It's very early morning. Billy is slumped over at his desk asleep. And you see Kane standing in the sheriff's office, kind of looking out one of the windows. He's got a cigar lit and uh, uh, a glass of moonshine in his hand. Morning, Ross. Morning. Rachel sits up and cracks her neck. Rises up very corpse-like. <laughs> oh, damn. Should have known better than to fall asleep at my desk. Yeah, you probably should have. I had moved you, but I didn't really want to wake you. You looked like you needed the rest. It's been a long couple of months. Yep, that it has. Got any news to report? You could say that. And she, like, recaps basically everything that we just discussed over the past, like, at the claim and letting him know that people are turning into indigos. The source is Paul. Yeah. Our suspicions about what we think Paul is doing with Moloch and Famine. Like, that whole... Just filling him in on everything. Well, seems like y'all know what I was probably going to say, which is that we need to marshal our forces before we move on him. He's had time to prepare. He's known what he was doing from the very get-go, months ago when he showed up. We're going to need all the help we can get. If we move on him, Deputy, Chief... We ain't gonna be on the right side of the law. Are you prepared for that? I'm prepared to do what's right. Sometimes what the law says and what is right are two different things. That is so. That is so. You get busy. Get people, do what you gotta do. I'll, uh... I'll do what I do best. Give you all some breathing room to prepare. 
appreciate that. Aru and I are gonna ride up to Starling, I think, if we can find Curtis. Yep, if you can find him, if he's still alive, and if you can understand a goddamn word he says. I, can you guys not understand him? Like, no. What? He's... Remember, English is my third language. It's hard enough for me to understand. That's fair. <laughs> but she like gives Ross like a confused look. Like, what do you mean you can't understand Curtis? I'm from Kansas. What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> we ain't got mountains in Kansas. I don't speak mountain people. Uh... Yeah, Rachel will gather up the letters she wrote, send them out, um, saddle up Oakley, assuming that no one's found her horse and eaten it. Not yet. And uh, she'll whistle for Scout. From I've been picturing Scout in the sheriff's office this entire time. Yeah. So she'll whistle for Scout and be like, come on, boy. Scout slowly wriggles his way out from a pile of blankets that he stole from Billy. Kind of looks at you, looks outside at the snow, and whines. You want to stay here? Is Billy still at the office? Yeah. Okay. Is he still asleep? Yeah. He's <laughs> also like... Cig- well, while you guys were at the claim, just cigarette butts put out like, in a big ashtray. Like. Uh, I think Rachel looks at Billy, decides she doesn't want to wake him up. Because um, he also looks exhausted, so she'll write a note like keep an eye on Scout for me and like tuck it under his elbow or something so when he wakes up he'll see it. Okay. She'll give Scout some scratches on his ears and say, Be a good boy. <laughs> Alright. She'll nod uh, towards her and say, uh, if you're ready, uh, let's get riding. It's kind of a long way to Sterlingville. I need to do something before we go. We need to swing by my house. I might suggest you stay inside while I do what I have to do. Alright, I'll go find the others and let them know what the plan is. Herod, why don't you give me a vigor roll and you rest for the night? Uh, simple. Simple success. You heal your last fatigue. I think uh, narratively you are still just run down, but you've with this this revelation of just the shitstorm that's coming. You find you 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 find a, a new reserve of energy that you tap into. You'll probably pay for this later when you have a chance to relax, if you ever get that chance. But for now, you've you've you're you're keeping moving. Your you your resolve is iron. I think Herod is also the kind of guy where, as he's going to sleep the night before, his mind is moving so quickly that he falls asleep thinking of battle plans and, like, air attacks and <laughs> yeah. what will be required. So you wake up the next morning. Probably the first thing you do is head down to Medford to the uh, the telegraph office, uh, where you see the telegraph operator kind of messing around with his gear and cursing and muttering to himself. Is something wrong? Yeah, you're 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 right. Do I know you? I think we've met. I've made use of your facilities several times. Uh, okay, all right. You you look kind of familiar. The name is Herod. I recognize you as well. Now, what happened to your? Uh, I find that alarming, sir. What? You've so ominous. I I keep several lists. Uh, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Not making this better. <laughs> So, your equipment is, is broken? Well, uh, something must have uh, taken the lines down, or something. I ain't getting I ain't, I ain't, uh, no signal going out, no signal coming in either way. Where do the lines run? Uh, up towards Portland and downtown, uh, down towards Shanfan. I see. I shall investigate towards Shanfan and tell you what I find. Oh, well, that's, that's right kind of you, sir. I ain't got much money. Uh, most of it just goes to food, which then goes to waste, because it rots so damn fast. Yes, uh, difficult times. Well, I will let you know if I find anything. Try to stay safe. You too, you too. Daisy. Yeah? What are you doing? You wake up after this dream. Uh, well, going to, going to find folks. 
Alright, looks like everyone's scattered to the wind already. To the wind already, of course. <laughs> well, I mean, by the time you wake up, we've already... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, who was on my list to go go contact? I don't know. Who was? Yeah. Well, who are we all getting? Should we break from narrative to yeah. make a list of actually everyone we want to contact here? Yeah, well, like, probably you probably know, should. We just kind of like threw out this whole list earlier. And well, well, I feel like the first person you'd probably talk to is Jonathan Graves. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. Obviously, we're, let him know what's we're going gonna, on. While we're in Medford on our way to Sterlingville, we're going to get Mayfu. Um, Curtis Jensen. Curtis. Um... Who else could... I mean, you're going to write... You've written letters to Annie, yeah, so... Yeah, I got Annie and Frank, Meifu, Curtis. Hopefully Lau? Yeah, hopefully Lau, because we'll be getting Curtis to help track us down. Track Question down. mark there. Um, Chen Mei, right? We're going to try to contact? Sure. Yeah, I can... I mean, I worked for her. Mm-mm. No, no, wait, no, I don't. Lan Hui is who you work yeah, for. Yeah, Lan Hui. Well, <laughs> we set Chen Mei up in like her own gang. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Right, that's right. So right. it would be sweet if she could bring some of her yeah. gang up. I'm wondering if we could contact Lan Hui because this is kind of—I mean, it's affecting the railroad because the railroad does go from Shamfan to Portland and <laughs> right through us. And um, the marshal from Ashen, Sylvia. So, Sylvia. Fitzgerald, the professor, and the gorilla. Yeah, yeah, he's one. Okay. The, the submarine guy, probably not a good choice. <laughs> Just because he's in the submarine yeah. I forget what the gorilla's name was. Uh, Gregory. Gregory. Gregory, yeah. <laughs> um, at some point, I'll hopefully uh, get in touch with Malcolm. Uh, How much time are we planning all this? Like, Yeah, like... How long are we taking to get the gang together, you know? This right now is all happening the next day from when you last talked together at the claim. Well, yeah, where we are now. How much time you're willing to wait? Yeah. How much time are you willing to wait? You wanted to contact Abraham Lincoln. I want to contact Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Let me just make that very clear. I should probably contact Hellstrom then. I mean, <laughs> if you want all can... the crazy gadgets. <laughs> Did you have anyone else in the agency that you wanted to? Probably the director. Director. Um, I'm trying to think if there were any notable agents. I mean, there were a couple, like, subservient ones, but I can't think of any off the top of my head that would, like, come to mind. None that have ever shown up on screen. Um, the Turkish ambassador, right? Mm-hmm. And as many fucking people as they can bring, you know, kind of thing. Right. And army, I'm going to say. Well, I mean, I'm talking about any of them. So, like, right. like Chen Mei, she brings her some gang yeah, members, you know. <laughs> so that's one, two, three, four, five, six. And seven, you got Annie Oakley on nine, there? Nine, yep. ten, eleven, twelve. Yep. Plus an army and potentially a gang. That's twelve people. Assuming that they all were able to make it. I think that we'll we'll wait until we get at least word from most of them, if we can. Like if we want to figure out how long we want to wait to do this, like it, it, see if we get any word back. But I I don't think we should take any long any longer. Preferably shorter than like a week. We'll see. All right. So, who did you want to get in touch with then? Lincoln, director, Turkish ambassador. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like those are his contacts. He's gonna, you know, apply some diplomatic power. I'm reaching out to Annie, and Malcolm, and Curtis. Now, how are you reaching out to Annie? Is that through snail mail? Yeah, because okay. I figured the telegraph was going to be broken. I was about to ask you, like, how does snail mail leave the valley? Is it going on a train? It can. Okay. Like Carrier pigeon. Like everything else in a hearse. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to get word out to her. That's kind of our my, my, my thought process is most of the people that are outside of the valley aren't going to get here in time. If uh, Wynon is going to be calling in air support then perhaps you could have them pick up some passengers on the way. Well, we have several air supports because we also have uh, Fitzgerald, and Fitzgerald and Gregory. Yeah. yeah, do you want to try to get a hold of Fitzgerald? Sure. They're like, Hey, look, I got a shiny airship. Look at that. You inspired me, buddy. Uh, don't forget Chen Mei and Mei Fu are also on our list. Yeah. Do you want to reach out to them? Yeah, I'll reach out to them. And is Hellstrom on that list? No. 
Should, yeah, I should probably just see if they, there's any. They can just okay, send bad us situation. What about the Lemurians? If you die, he doesn't have to pay you any more money. What about the Lemurians? Daisy should reach out to the Lemurians. I should. <laughs> I'm going to take a quick draw. ride to Mount Shasta. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got an airship. So, yeah, we see Daisy probably drafting up some letters to take down to the telegraph office. We see Harold writing out along the lines as far as he's willing to chance it. Um, in broad daylight. In broad daylight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We see uh, Haru and Rachel riding up on his uh, ranch, Macario's old, old home. Uh, let's go there. Okay, so Haru first goes out to his barn where he's got his other horse. Oh, no. And... Uh, you see him just kind of kneel next to the horse. He's kind of petting its leg. And, you know, like, I've only known you for a short amount of time, but something bad's going to happen to you if I don't happen to you first. Nay. I'm going to make this as painless as possible. Stands up, and he slits the horse's throat. Wow. <laughs> Yep, that's probably about as much as we need to linger on that scene. Rachel might eat some of the horse. Probably. Yeah. He's going to bring it in on trays and have it, like a fire going to dry out the meat. Rachel's hungry enough that she'll eat the horse. What's Rachel doing in the meantime? You probably get a sense, like, the grim resoluteness that that, uh, Haru is exuding as he walks into this barn. It's like, oh, he's killing the horse. Yeah, I think Rachel actually probably wouldn't watch you kill the horse. She would, like know what you're about to do and kind of give you privacy to say goodbye because she knows how you are with taking life um so she probably got a fire going and then um, i'm sitting there and cleaning her guns okay well while you're cleaning guns eventually i'd come in with strips of meat that i've shaved off on trays and wire grates that I could find, anything I could use to set up near the fire to dry the meat out, because it's better to dry it than to try to do anything else with it at this point. Yeah, a little bit of the smell of blood here. Mixed with booze and tobacco. Haru's kind of got, like, you know, tears coming down his eyes and washes his hands in his wash basin as best he can. I'm sorry, Haru. It's better for us than something else to happen to it. It gave its life so that we may live. I mean, your your demon horse was definitely high in it. I'm aware. I could, I could, I could feel it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd be writing a letter to Chen Mei and figuring out how to get that to her. I figure we'll swing by the train station on our way out. Drop off the letters. Yeah. Just hope that they get out of the valley. And then I'll let May food and have her. The, the the sheriff's office has that that stable area right next to it, right, or mm-hmm. attached to it's it. It's got an attached stables. And it's it's fairly large ish. Ish. Um, okay. Well, I'll tell her to meet us just up there. Or her or her duties that I need her to do are far more important up in Jacksonville than they are in Medford right now. Okay. That's what you do when you get to the train station yeah, right but, now. You're still yeah, at your yeah. house, yeah. drying meat. Yep. Um, well, the meat's drying. Um, Haru just kind of, he just kind of, he's just kind of keeping an eye on it. And he says, um, if we can think of anybody else to contact, we should probably do it soon. Yeah. We'll head out once this meat is nice and dry. And Rachel is like... I don't know how to clean a gun because I'm not a gun. Join the club. I don't know either. You're probably oiling it, taking it apart, making sure there's no grit in any of the moving parts. You got one of those those brush things that you push in the barrel. Do this. Sure. You pop the cylinders out. If it's a breakaway style, you can break it down. You scrub the inside, ripe it down with some gun oil, and then close it back up. Spin it a couple of times to make sure it gets all spread out, and you wipe off any excess oil. Okay, that's what she's doing. Um... And then, you know, she's checking to make sure that they're loaded. So she's going to open up her, like, 
where she keeps her bullets. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, pulling bullets out. And then she notices a special bullet that she's kind of forgotten about, I think, because it's been a while since she saw Malcolm. What does the bullet look like? Does it look out of the ordinary at all? It does look out of the ordinary. Most of your bullets have, like, a... Uh, a brass jacket on them, some sort of thin, cheap metal just to hold the powder for the the main charge. Malcolm's bullet has either a silver or some sort of steel shell around it. Uh, And it's all engraved with uh, runes. Uh, The head of the bullet is also uh, just engraved with... uh, the it's got one rune on it, the head of the bullet. Um, it's got a, a runic tree engraved on it. What the? And she just looks at this bullet in a little bit of confusion. She goes, "This isn't one of mine." I think as you pick it up and hold it, uh, Malcolm's name and face flashes through your mind. Did we get his full name earlier? Like his middle name? Malcolm Joseph Locke. Okay, so she holds the bullet in her hand, um, feels the surge of power from it from the runes, and Malcolm Joseph Locke echoes in her brain. She, she just like weighs the bullet in her hand thoughtfully, and she goes, Oh, yeah, I had forgotten about this. You kind of remember his parting words to you. If ever you go up against your ex-husband when the time comes, fire this off. I'll know you're calling. And I'll be there to help. She's holding this bullet with, like, a look of, um, relief and anticipation and, um, yeah, just, like, hope. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Malcolm. Malcolm? He uh, gave me this bullet. Told me to fire it off if I ever had need of his help. Well, I, I mean... We need all the help we can get. Um, when when we have a good moment, we can go, go use that. Go uh, go ahead and use that. Um, keep in mind, uh, the meat's almost done. Um, I'll meet you outside when when we're all ready to go. Alrighty, yeah, it would be good to have another Hexlinger in the fight. Malcolm's one of the best I've ever met, and she'll stand up from the fire, take the bullet, take a redemption, I think, and go out to fire the gun. You go outside, probably walk a little ways away from the house, not dangerously so, um, but enough to, to get some privacy uh, there, there's a bit of a, a wind that's gusting about, blowing flakes of snow all over. Describe the scene. What what do you do as you get ready to fire off this bullet? I think as she, uh, you know, em- she empties all the bullets from Redemption that she like just loaded into it. <laughs> um, you know, carefully puts those bullets aside and loads. Malcolm's bullet in, chambers it. Does she need to cast magic here to summon him? Not like a specific spell, but you need to charge the, the bullet with magic. Okay. She studies the bullet for a second, like feeling the runes, kind of sensing what she needs to do since she has since she's rune mastery, and she realizes like the bullet needs to be magically charged, and so she just stands there for a moment um, holding the bullet in her hand and I think she pictures Malcolm in her head as clearly as she can remember him Mm -hmm. so things like specific details like the way his hair looks his eyes (laughs) like how he rolls the coin across his fingers Um, she also kind of pictures the emotions she's associated with him so like her, her initial rage and hatred of meeting him and mm-hmm. then how that like gradually develops into genuine friendship, and then loads up into the gun. And I think as she raises the gun, I think just straight up into the sky, mm-hmm. she 
speaks his full name in the voice of authority and um, fires a bullet. Say his name. Malcolm Joseph Locke. You raise the gun into the air uh, and you channel the magic. You feel uh, this this energy pouring through you. Um, and uh, from like a bird's eye view, we see uh, the snow kind of melting around you in a pattern. Uh, and after a moment or two, uh, what we see is that you are standing at the center of the tree rune. And it's probably got a 10-foot diameter around you. Uh, and then you fire. What does the shot sound like? Can't bring a question on me like that. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's like a specific sound that's associated with Malcolm. Does he whistle? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's the sound of a coin flip. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah ding. The, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I do like that. You you fire, and instead of the usual of a gun, it's more of the the ding of a, a coin flipping. That like ringing. Yeah. Of, like. And then there is. Silence. The wind dies down to a complete standstill. And then you're brought out of this moment by the raucous call of a raven or crow. You're not quite sure, but it suddenly takes off from a, a nearby uh, tree and goes winging out eastward and disappears pretty soon. Um, she'll stand there for a moment, just, you know, gathering her breath. Mm-hmm. Um... And then she will uh, chamber redemption back in with her normal bullets and then head back inside. Alright, you do that. By this point in time, you finished probably drying the meat. Um, Herod, you have ridden as far as you're willing to chance it. Uh, and just as you're about to turn back, you see uh, one of the telegraph poles. You've been riding along the, the tracks, so the, the telegraph line's kind of parallel um, and the telegraph pole has been wrenched out of the ground and the cables just snapped and destroyed um, he'll ex- he'll hop off his horse carefully um, kind of like taking a very cautious look around the area for any signs of danger there are Wendigo tracks all over um, without wanting to get too close to the woods on the side of the road uh, he will Examine the damages. Do they look like something that he thinks Daisy could repair? With time, maybe. But this is like not a one-person job either. You have to rebuild the pole. You have to splice the cables, or or whatever you do to repair uh, telegraph cables. Uh, he mentally considers the closest town. If he were to keep going, you'd have to get over. Well, the next town would be Ashland. And then you'd have to go over the pass. All right. It seems that I'm going to need to ride an airship to call an airship. And he'll head back to town. All right. Well, I got the same telegraph problems that Wynon has, I assume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, yeah, you get to the telegraph office, and uh, there, <laughs> there's an out-of-order sign hung on the door. What? And uh, Jebediah Jehoshaphat is just like, sorry, ma'am. Uh, seems like the, the there's there's something gone wrong. Uh, a person, a man, a nice, nice man, uh, volunteered to go check out down south. I've asked the railroad to look into the northward problem, but right now the telegraph is completely out. Well, who was that nice man? Um, he said his name was Harold. Oh, Herod! Herod, that was it. Yeah. That was it. Oh, he's yeah, he's my brother-in-law. Oh, which way he go? South. I'll go looking for him. All right. Yeah, stay safe. All right. So yeah, I'll probably get the airship. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Let's backtrack. So 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 where's the, where's the, the next nearest uh, telegraph office? Do you, do you know if it's up and running? Well, I don't know if it's up and running, uh, but uh, the next nearest one is either going to be Grants Pass or Ashland, I guess. You said you said this man went south. Yes. All right. 
Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, Harrod, you're you're riding back in when you see the Thalos Zephyr uh, come flying up towards you. <laughs> Making the tacit assumption that Daisy's just out on some sort of pleasure cruise, he's shouting up with panic, Daisy! Daisy! <laughs> and, and I slow down and like, hey, Harrod! The telegraph lines are down. Yes. We, uh, what? You already know? Yeah, I had, we needed to send out telegraphs to you know, get a hold of uh, Fitzgerald and Elstrom and all the rest. Oh. Uh, so, are you here to, to fly me to... Let's just go. We're going to Ashland, yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Alright, and uh, you both ride by... Uh, Rachel and Haru, you both ride by the Medford train station. You talk to Meifu... You drop off your, your letters that you want to have sent, and then are you both writing to Sterlingville? It is, it's a trip. I mean, Daisy's gone in the Zephyr, so yeah, I want to find Curtis. Well, no, hold on. She had to go down to Medford to uh, go to the Telegraph's office anyway, so we would have at least heard that thing flying in the air. We might be able to get like a flare and shoot it up to see, so she can come check us out. Actually, yeah, I will shoot a flare bullet off. Okay, I'm not gonna make you roll oh, for that. Um, uh, do I notice it though? <laughs> maybe. Do you see it? Uh, yeah. See, like okay. the Zephyr, maybe in the distance, and I'm like, oh, we could catch a ride with Daisy, and she'll yeah. Probably before you've picked up Herod. Yeah. All right, I'll pick them up too. All right. Yay! Everyone's all together. <laughs> I guess the first place you stop off at is Ashland, then. Yeah, I'm fine. While we're flying, Haru's going, uh, I've got some meat for everyone if you want to get your strength up. Rachel eats more meat. Don't ask where it came from. From mental image, you walk around with, with a horse's worth of meat in your pocket. <laughs> no, just, I, I, I brought some, and the rest of it's you know, still at the house. <laughs> It's a big pocket. Is that horse meat in your pocket? Or are you just out to see? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so wrong on many levels. <laughs> so you land in Ashland. I guess uh, you didn't need to leave that letter for Sylvia. Yeah, it's true. So she'll probably, while you guys are going to the telegraph office, Rachel's splitting the party to go track down Sylvia. Okay. Uh, that's not hard. She's at the marshal's office. I'll stay at the Zephyr. Deputy Kennedy, what are you doing up here? Uh, came to ask for your help, Marshal. Help of what? How aware are you of, shall we say, some of the weirder things that have been happening in this valley? Deputy, I'm a witch. We killed an eight-legged spider moose freak last winter. <laughs> And I've been dealing with all sorts of monstrosities uh, since late September. Well, we've got a problem in Jacksonville. Okay. I think one of our citizens... I think Rachel's very deliberately not going to tell her it's her ex. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our citizens we think is feeding people to people and causing a whole mess of trouble... Sylvia looks appropriately horrified and disgusted. We're worried that he's got powers that we can't go up against alone. Ah. And when exactly are you planning on going up against him? Well, as soon as we can hear back from some other allies of ours. We're reaching out to some folk. Alright. I need a couple days. Make sure folks I'm in charge of are protected and to get some things together but uh, if uh, this citizen has anything to do with what's been going on count me in you should know Sylvia um, what we're doing ain't exactly legal well 
I ain't always been on the right side of the law, so... It ain't unfamiliar territory. I know I liked you for a reason. And then, yeah, she'll say, make her goodbyes, tell her where to go. Alright. Uh, Daisy and Harrod, you get to the Ashland Telegraph office, and guess what? <laughs> They're also struggling with their machinery, seems to be out of commission. <sighs> then to the next. How far are we going here on the Zephyr? As far as we need to. Well, I hope that you did. You finished all of your business at home. No, we need to go to Sterling. Can, can you at least drop us off at Sterlingville yeah, before you my... head down further? Or do we just travel as quickly as we can by airship to whoever we can reach? Now, help me understand here. Why do you think one mountain man is going to cause such a difference, such a be such a valuable ally? It's not just the mountain man, it's who he can help us find. Yeah. Who? When we went up against these things last winter... Have you... Have you heard of the, the Native American legend Sasquatch? We've looked into it, it doesn't exist. Well, you're wrong. We've seen him. We've fought with him. He's powerful, and I want him in this battle with us. He's as real as the Lemurians. Daisy. Um, can I be honest? Not not helping your case. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's it, it's a spirit that takes the form of Bigfoot. Ah. So that's why it never took our bait. Yes, that is the most logical reason that I can think of. Smash cut to like a peanut butter sandwich on a uh, bear trap or something, and Lau just standing there going, <laughs> Really? A peanut butter sandwich? The most disgusting food on earth, and that's Whoa. what you lure me with? Just grabs Whoa. a raccoon. <laughs> Whoa. Peanut butter is not the most disgusting food on earth, sir. Yeah. Okay, that's true. I... I'm sorry for questioning you. You know what's best. I will trust your judgment here. But really, Daisy, we need to get to a telegraph machine. A working telegraph machine. Well, we need to get to Sterling, because who knows where Curtis is. He could be in the mountains. Sterlingville. Sterlingville. We need to get to Sterlingville, because who knows where Curtis has been. He could be in the mountains. So it's going to take time to track him down. Especially because we don't track at all. (laughs) I mean, how far are you going to go? Are you going to go all the way down to Shanfan? I don't know. There's got to be... They couldn't have gotten all of them. How far... What's the next city after Ashland? Is it, um... I don't know. It's... Wairika. Hill a thing at that point. Hill, yeah, Hill is a thing. Okay. I mean, how far away is that? It's over the pass. So is it, we're talking like a day's journey? You're, yeah, something like that. By airship? You gotta get over the pass. By airship. You gotta get over the pass. Have you flown over the pass in an airplane yet? I'm waiting for y'all to try and fly over the pass. I don't want to be in this airship when it crashes over the pass. So if you could take us up to Sterlingville, please, I'd super appreciate it. I mean, I, I, I'm seriously thinking right now we have to uh, get whoever we can get. And if we can find a telegraph that works on the way in, yeah. Very well. Let's drop you off at Sterlingville and we can continue on our way. Let's just get this over with. Who else is on our list that's in the Rogue Valley? That's the the real qu- the next question here, I guess. Why are you saying that? Let's just fly <laughs> over the pass. It's <laughs> <laughs> picking up on what I'm laying down. <laughs> uh, we're going to go talk to Curtis. And then Haru's going to talk to Meifu. Already did. And that's everyone left in the valley. Yeah. Like, can we get to Crescent City and talk to people there? What's Crescent City called? Zincheng. Zincheng. Okay, so we're heading to Sterlingville. You head to Sterlingville. You get to Sterlingville. It's a couple hours later. It's probably afternoon. And yeah, Sterlingville looks a lot like you left it. It's got a fortified wall around it. Hello. Can anyone help us find Curtis Jensen? Yep. Oh, thank God you're not out in the woods somewhere. Murder, <laughs> sure. Get the projector turn. 
Okay, anyway. <laughs> I, I'm going to need you to translate what he says. Curtis, you doing all right? Nerp. Uh, same here. It's been a rough winter. Yerp. Uh, you feel up for a job? Nerp. <laughs> it's important, Curtis. Have you heard of the spirit Lao? Nerp. It's a it's a powerful spirit, Curtis. No, it's not a monster. No? No. It's a friend. It's It'll it'll there's a fight coming, Curtis. You could use your help. We need your help to find Bigfoot. Bigfoot. He gives you all suspicious looks. What? He holds up his leg and points at his foot. Bigfoot. Oh, um, it's a very strong, very tough, and can offer us a lot of aid in facing off what is causing all these troubles. Er. We are needing a small army to face off the uh, entity causing all of this. I'm glad of that, Curtis. Thank you. Yep. Find him as soon as you can, Curtis. He answers to Lao. Lur. Okay. Oh no. Harris just like says that and just suddenly like Oh no You think the name as you speak it, I'm sure, you know, he's a spiritual being. The message will get across. Uh-huh. At the sheriff's office in Jacksonville. Curtis, just Lau is our friend. Yep. So, if you find him, Iron it shooting. Good. And uh, Curtis goes to his marshal's office, which is also his house, and comes out with his rifle and his literal raccoon hat. Nice. So, what do you do next? Um, He's going to be the true hero well, of this whole thing, isn't they he? Went off. Yeah, did you guys hang around while we were in Sterling? Uh, or did you leave? Probably not, since you all seemed like you really wanted to be here. Okay, so we'll ride back then into George Jackson. We had our horses, didn't we? Yeah, remember they fit on the airship we yeah. found out? Oh, God. <laughs> Your airship stinks. Yeah, Well, you get to deny our airship because we're going to fly over the pass. What happens? Uh, make a piloting roll. Uh, I, well, is that our plan, though? That's the... Herod is quite insistent. You can do something else, because it is your airship. Well, let's do it, I guess. What else are we going to do? Die. Maybe. <laughs> Ooh. Alright, that's ten. Alright, so you attempt to fly over the pass. Normally, this would not be that big a deal. You just fly over it you're 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 done but uh, as you get closer and closer to the mountains the wind starts to blow and get stronger and stronger uh uh kicking up a flurry of snow which uh starts to blot out the horizon around you until you can't tell whether you're high enough to clear the mountains or not uh and you're fighting the wind every step of the way uh and you can't help but uh you're 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 Piloting sense tells you you need to turn back. This is not safe weather to fly in. Yeah. We are not making it over this pass. I see. Yes. Use your best judgment. Well, should we go to Crescent City? I suppose it's better than nothing. 
Do you think that we could send a message by ship, perhaps? Like by boat? Yes. Well, we have to get out to the coast. It's worth a try. What happens if we try to go that way? So you turn back, and after a little bit as you leave the mountains behind, the weather evens out and calms down. Um, you start to angle the airship off towards Xincheng. Uh, and as soon as you get close to leaving the valley, the weather kicks up again and turns you back. Herod, we might be trapped here in the valley right now. Hmm. Well, I'm angry. Are you angry? Because I'm very angry. I'm just a little not, not quite angry. Disappointed. <laughs> this is bullshit. Lincoln can't save us now. I have no one I can call on. No way for me to get help for us. What are we even going to do? Well, looks like, well, we got some folks. We got our locals. We got Ross. Got, hopefully they got the, the Jensen, Mr. Jensen. There's no hope. Deadlands and Savage Worlds are the property of Pinnacle Entertainment Group. All content is used unofficially under the Savage Media Network license. Find more of their great products at peginc.com. Sound effects are by Plate Mail Games and Battle Bards. Music by the Eaglestone Collective and Danheim. You can find links to all of the above in the show description. As always, thank you for joining us for this episode. If you've enjoyed this, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes or wherever else you listen. Thank you once again, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>